0: This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to create better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder and CEO of the WealthAbility Network. Obviously, we're in a crisis right now. We're in a pandemic Um, We're seeing people panic. It, It seems like more than ever, we're in a leadership crisis. So, most of you listening are leaders, you're the leaders with your clients. You're the leaders with your business. You're the leaders with your employees. And so what we're going to discover today, and we're going to discover it together, we have an expert on the line to help us discover how to become better leaders in a crisis. This is a a really tough time. I mean, it's a tough time for everybody. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the preparations we've made. My sons are being challenged, okay? They don't have the same years of preparation that, that my wife and I have. And, and I'm seeing um, our members that some of them are, are struggling. So, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we actually not just weather this, but get better as a result of this? You know, when we, um, when we exercise, um, our muscles hurt, and um, hopefully not too much, but sometimes a lot, and it makes them stronger, and what the hope is is that you know this in, instead of killing us instead of taking us down will actually build us and build us as a as a company uh, build us at, with our clients build us with our technology and 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 build us as a as a country and a world so that that that's the hope and i'm we're very very fortunate today to have an absolute expert on dealing with stress like this and, and leadership. Dr. Jennifer Goldman Wetzler is the founder and CEO of Alignment Strategies Group, a New York based uh, consulting firm. She's a leading expert on conflict and organizational psychology and the author of Optimal Outcomes Free Yourself from Conflict at Work, at Home, and Life um, and Emotions in Long Term Conflict. So, Dr. Jen, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hi,
1: Tom. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here with you today.
0: So, so if you would, just give us a 30-second uh, sketch of your background and um, why you've been talking so much and, and been such an influence in this area during this crisis.
1: Sure. Well, I started my career 20 years ago out of the program on negotiation at Harvard Law School and have been in the field ever since working with people on the ground in all kinds of organizations from Fortune 500 companies to fast-growing innovative startups to academic institutions and global nonprofits to help them communicate more effectively with each other, particularly when they are facing external threats, competitive needs that are new. And so, you know, I've spent my whole career really working with people when they are facing very difficult challenges and helping them turn those around into opportunities and to to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. So I look forward today um, to helping us all do that together. I've been teaching this material uh, that that just came out in my book, Optimal Outcomes, at Columbia University to graduate students for the last decade as well and working with clients all over the world using this material
0: awesome well thank you so much for being here jen and you know we're um our our, our profession the cpa profession i think is feeling some particular stress right now um, in part because this is our busy season in part because while the government in it's unbelievable wisdom all of the all of the legislation that's coming out are tax incentives so they're they're related to tax, employment tax. Um, they're related to um, other, you know, other tax incentives. And so now we have to stay up on top of that as well. And we have the stress of our employees need to, for the most part, be working from home. And not everybody has the technology to do that. And on top of that, um, we have clients who are really hurting. I mean, we have a client who um, has a... Uh, uh, they do hunting and fishing trips. Um, the the I've I've a I've a, a good friend that does um, large conferences all over the world. I mean, these people they're they're done for the year. They're absolutely done for the year. So, Jen, how do we? L- l- let's start with this. How do we deal with the stress? How do we deal with the stress of this whole situation? I mean, I know for example, um, my wife and I are both. Um, highly at risk because we're both severely compromised in our, in our pulmonary function. So, um, I, I get, I get, the str- I get the stress. So how, how do you deal with that? How do you help your, how do you help employees and clients deal with that?
1: Well, Tom, thank you for sharing with us your personal experience and position right now. I think it's very real. And I'm sure for many listeners right now, you're, you know, you, they know you're not alone. They're here with you. We're all here in this together. So one of the, you know, I just wrote wrote this book that has eight practices in it, and one of the practices is about identifying our emotions, not just for the purpose of identifying it like from a meditative standpoint, but for the purpose of it eventually helping lead us to constructive action. So I'd like to walk us through what does that look like? So in this moment, I think it's a safe thing to say that many of us are experiencing emotions like fear and anxiety, maybe even anger, wondering why has this happened to us or how could this happen to us? And so just taking a moment to be quiet and to notice what are the feelings that I'm experiencing and seeing if you can put a name to them. Right. You could even imagine them as characters, like if you've seen that movie, Inside Out. Um, <laughs> where right, you remember that? For There's sure. Oh, I, lo- I, lo-
0: I love that movie. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, it's a great, great movie. People now may have more time to watch it than they <laughs> otherwise would, so it's a great movie to go watch. Uh, and actually, one of the most renowned psychologists in the world consulted to the makers of that film, and he helped them – Identify what are the five universal emotions that people that he discovered in many years of research all over the world experience these five universal emotions. So if you're having trouble identifying what yours are, you can always come back to the five universal ones, which are anger, fear, sadness, disgust, and joy. And those are the five characters in the film, too. So you can even think of them as, you know, they're characters that are inside of you and what do they look like and what do they feel like? What do they sound like? What voices do they have? What do they even smell like or even taste like? So be with them and allow them in as if they're a part of you, they're friends of yours. So you want to notice them. And that does require being quiet, which itself can be scary. And yet we want to do it, but we don't want to stop there. So, If you're able to simply notice what you're feeling and you can let it settle, sometimes those emotions will settle and they will pass and a new emotion will come along. And that's the nature of them. It's just like the weather a cloud comes, then the rain comes, then the sun comes out. And sometimes that happens. But when we're in a protracted, stressful, difficult, challenging situation, like the one we're all facing today, sometimes those feelings don't go away on their own. And in that case, the next step that I recommend is to ask what message might my emotions be trying to send me. So a very typical message that uh, fear is sending is, you know, danger ahead or anger says, this is not fair. There's something not right here, not just. Um, uh, Sadness typically says there's a loss that's occurred. So just to be able to hear what is the message that my emotions are sending me. And then the third step is to ask ourselves, what constructive action could I take based on the message that I'm hearing? So if we know that when we feel angry, we often might lash out or yell at other people, what could we do instead? What's a constructive action you can take instead of doing what you might normally do? So, if you notice that you feel angry, maybe it's a good idea to let yourself walk outside or even open a window and breathe some fresh air. Or if you notice that you're feeling sad, allow yourself to grieve, right? There's going to be sadness in this time. There just is. Um, and yeah, so allowing I, ourselves to feel it.
0: I, I, I tell you, we were, um, my wife and I have a practice every morning as we have coffee together. And read the news together, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's reading about these people in, and I hope I can get through this without breaking up. Um, in um, Italy, and they're dying alone. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. You know, yeah. it's it's sorry. It's bad enough yeah. that they're dying, but they're yeah. dying alone. And that's a very sad thing. My my wife's in tears. I'm in tears. I'm in tears now, you know. So um, I, I, this, I, I found the same thing. It's, it's, um, I found that um, my meditation every morning has become that much more important. Yes. It's interesting. I was reading an article not too long ago uh, about Steve Jobs, and they said that his brain was the brain of a 27-year-old, and they attributed mm. it to meditation and all the meditation wow. he did. And I thought, you know, that's really interesting because I know that that quiet time, that serious reflection. Mm -hmm. So I have, there's a, there's a great book out called Miracle Morning and, um, um, the, the author actually was near death twice. And, you know, he's like, what is this telling me? Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he wrote this book Miracle Morning about, you know, get your morning started right. And I'm finding that, um, you know, it's been interesting. We've been, um, Doing our, uh, we started our network of accounting firms a year and a half ago. What's what's fascinating to me is that we really have focused more on personal development than we have on anything else, and we um, have grown extraordinarily rapidly. And so there's clearly a need, and people, you know, accountants aren't known for our introspection. <laughs> but maybe this is an opportunity. Uh, you know, I look at this, um, and I, I'd like your, uh, your thoughts on this, Jen. I, I look at this, I, I look at crises as, yes, we have to be careful, yes, we need to pay attention, yes, we need to do the right things. At the same time, what is the opportunity here? Um, because what we do know is that this will change the world forever. Um, the depression, my parents grew up in the depression, the Great Depression. It changed that generation forever. And it, and it obviously affected my wife and I because our parents grew up in, 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 in the depression. So baby boomers were st- highly affected by the depression. Now we have um, millennials and Gen Zers who have been through both the Great Recession and now this crisis this pandemic, and I'm going, this will completely change the way people behave. So I'm looking at okay, not, so we have to me at least a couple of opportunities. One is, how do we, um, and this is a question for you, Jen, how do we better prepare our employees, um, particularly our younger employees who really, you know, millennials are known for, and my employees are all millennials, my partner is millennial. They're, Everybody's millennial except I've got two Gen Zers and the rest are millennials. I'm the only old guy. And and, and they're looking at this and they're going, look, this is not likely to have a huge effect on us. On the other hand, they have to comply because otherwise they kill off my generation. Um, They say that there's 105 million Americans that are in my category that are seriously at risk. And, uh, that's a lot. I mean, that's a third of the country, right? So we, do we really want to kill off a third of the country? I I don't think so. And uh, so it's, you know, it's imperative that we, uh, we work with our, our employees, but it's also, so they're feeling the stress because they're not able to get together and they're used to working together. And then we also have our clients who are feeling the stress. So how do we step up from a leadership standpoint? What do we do in, in these times to help um, okay so I, I love that you started with what do we do to help ourselves because I think that's the most important I think you have to help yourself it's like when you're right. on an airplane if we, assuming we ever get on airplanes again when you're yeah. on an airplane they always say that you always put your oxygen mask on before you put right. your child's on right? Right. So we have to take care of ourselves first. And I think you gave us some really good steps there. And I encourage everybody to go back and listen to this podcast again, because I think those steps were um, absolutely um, fantastic. Once, so once we've done that, what can we do for our employees and our clients?
1: Yeah. So this optimal outcomes method that I've been working with for a decade is very balanced. So I love how you just pointed out the first piece of, of, There's one of the ways that it's balanced is that it works both with what we can do for ourselves, and I always do recommend we have to look inside of ourselves first, and then the other side of that balance is that we need to look out at the impact that we have on other people. And one of the practices in the book is about thinking ahead, just like a chess master does on a chessboard. I think when we're in crisis, like the moment we're in right now, it's extra important, it's always important, but particularly when we're in a conflict situation or any kind of crisis situation, we want to be thinking a few steps ahead. So typically, particularly in America, but this is true in cultures all around the world, typically we're thinking about what will be the impact of my own actions on myself today. If I, for example, tell this person that they did something wrong and they need to go fix it. I'm going to feel better because I've gotten it off my chest and now they know what they need to do. That's how we typically think about it. But when we're in these difficult moments, it's extra important to not only think about the impact of our own behavior on ourselves right now, but to stretch the time horizon and also stretch how we think about who our actions are impacting. So for example, We want to think about the impact of our actions not only on ourselves today, but also on other people and not on other obvious people only, but on non-obvious other people. So, for example... You and I are having this conversation, so we're the most two obvious people on my mind right now. But I also want to think about, well, who else is listening to this conversation? We have the listeners on the line. And then I want to expand out from there. Well, it may be people who they tell about this conversation. And so it's their families and their friends and their coworkers. And so now we have a much broader view, or I have a much broader view in my mind, of who is being impacted by this idea that I'm talking about right now. Also, we want to think not only about today, so people listening to this at this moment, but also what impact could it have tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, next generations. So if we play that out, we can imagine our own great-grandchildren or their great-grandchildren and what impact our own actions will have on those people. So when we take that kind of a long-term view, both in time and in the types of people we're thinking about or the types of beings we're thinking about impacting or the planet that we're thinking about impacting. The decision about whether to go to the supermarket is no longer about am I going to get sick if I go to the supermarket? The decision becomes much more complex, right? So we don't want to make ourselves so crazy that we can't like t- do anything because we're always thinking right. about the great-grandchildren, you know, seven generations from now and now like we can't figure out how to, you know, make a sandwich or get a, you know, watch TV but we do want to really stretch our thinking about this. And so if it's a decision about, should I go to the supermarket? Who might that impact? Can I take care of my fellow community members and will it impact people potentially in other States, other counties, et cetera. That's Uh, you you mean, you mean
0: like, should I buy, should I buy 200 rolls of toilet paper? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And should
1: I resell them at a markup?
0: (laughs) Oh my heavens. Oh my heavens. (laughs) This kind of stuff drives me crazy. Um, uh, but you know, it, it's, interesting. You talk about the impact that, um, uh, we, we have on others. To me, this is, um, an opportunity. You know, I've been talking, we've been talking about this as a, a leadership crisis. I also find this as an education crisis. Um, it was interesting. My, um, my, uh, my wife's daughter was at the Trader Joe's the other day. She said it was fascinating. She goes, all the frozen food was gone. Mm -hmm. The fresh fruits and vegetables, eggs, milk, meat, except for hamburger, was all there. So people have not learned right now how to cook. They haven't learned how to get back to basics. And uh, one of the things I'm really grateful for is my my wife was taught, because her father grew up poor, she was taught how to use everything and how to cook from scratch. So I'll give you an example. I'm walking into, um, I actually braved Costco the other day. With, I'm, I am know it's a couple of things. First of all, I'm the only one in there wearing a mask. And second of all, I'm the only one in there without a case of bottled water in their cart. And what was most fascinating to me is I'm walking by, as soon as you walk in, on the right-hand side, there is there were coolers, water coolers. So we, all of our water, because we don't want to throw plastic away, um, all of our water comes from, you know, a a water service, right? And I'm going, you know, you get a water cooler, you've got water forever, you got fresh water forever. I mean, that's not going away, that's not changing. I mean, that, you know, unless the supply chain is massively interrupted, you're going to have that water, and you'll have it for months and months on end, not a day and a half. And it just really hit me that, One of the things that we can be doing right now is looking at our business as well as our own lives and saying, what can we do differently now that will have a positive impact? For example, let me ask you this, Jen, you and I share something common that we've both been working from home for a long time, probably for different reasons. I work from home because they kicked me out of the office years ago because when I go in, I just disrupt everything. Um, but so we make more money and we do much better if I'm not in the office, I'm a terrible manager, just horrible, just awful. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm a great innovator and, uh, that's my role. Um, but I just can't innovate, um, um, and it, it on a daily basis in the office. Cause I just, you know we'll mess yeah. things up. So I, yeah. I've i been working from home. My wife works from home. You work from home. So our business, and, and the other thing is, is that I, um, like you, I speak uh, around the world. And so we have clients literally in 30 countries and every single state. And so we've been technology driven for years. So when, when this, you know, when we, we started to see this pandemic, I had a client, he sent me a note. He said, are you guys okay? You know, uh, you know, don't worry about my stuff. I understand, you know, thing, you know, you're going to, you're going to be affected here. And I wrote back and I said, no, we're not. We are just by, by total luck. I mean, not by, you know, not because we knew a pandemic was coming, but we've completely prepared for this. All, all of our employees can work from home. They've been working from home cause they like working from home from time to time. Um, you know, if they're sick, they work from home. If they, if they're, if they're well, Typically, they come in. Um, our clients are used to talking to us over the phone. They don't. Um, they don't come into our office. We actually don't even have very good facilities for our clients to come in um, because we're really, you know, based on serving them remotely, and we have all the technology. So, um, but one of the things that that I'm most concerned about is the the connection because people need connection. So how do you stay connected? What are the opportunities to change the way you behave? Because I think we're going to have, I think it's going to be permanent. You know, I think it's going to be permanent. I don't think this is a, a a short term change in the way we behave. I I think we'll get used to it. So what are some ideas that you have, Jen, about what we need to do or what we can do? What are the opportunities to, um, uh, help our employees and our clients stay connected when they might normally be used to coming into to the office?
1: Well, Tom, as you and I were talking about briefly right before we started the podcast, um, sometimes, you know, so many of us for so many years have made the assumption that in-person is a way to have a better, more intimate connection with other people. And in many ways, that's true. But my experience has been when I, you know, because I also for, for many years now have been coaching and consulting to people where I'm face to face with them very up close and personal via a computer screen. And I was saying to you, you know, I sometimes have joked in the past about how it's sometimes more intimate to be face to face with someone when you're on a Zoom screen with them, you can actually see their pores, right? I see their pores, they see into my pores. You see
0: all of the faults in their face, because especially, especially with the screens we have now, right? I mean, there's no hiding. (laughs) There's (laughs) absolutely no hiding. So I I built the studio and it was one of the reasons I built the studio. I just didn't have a good, um, you know, I was in a a, 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 an office in my house, and I, I built the studio because I'm going look. I, I I've got to have a better environment for this because I know that people can see everything, and it's not just they're right. seeing at one time because we record, <laughs> we record our calls, right. and so we, exactly. so that people the people can go back and listen the to corner. them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and they're going, hey, hey, could you move, uh, could you move that crib because our grandkids, you know, we our pod in, in, includes our our um, my wife's. Uh, daughter, her, her son-in-law and our two grandchildren. That's our pod, right? And um, mm-hmm. so we have, you know, I was in a room and we have a crib, you know, I'm I'm on a, I'm on a, at a Zoom meeting with somebody and we're recording a, a webinar and he goes, hey, um, <clears throat> could, could you move the crib?
1: <laughs> right. Well, so, so that is one very logistical piece of advice is that as we all shift, to having video meetings, you know, you might want to be thoughtful about what you have behind you when you're on the screen. In fact, yesterday, I had never used Microsoft teams before I'm used to using zoom, but there is a feature on Microsoft teams where you can actually just at the click of a button, the background becomes blurred and your face is in focus.
0: Oh my heavens.
1: And, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a feature that like Zoom it. will soon be adding so that we all don't have to worry about the cribs behind us. Um, but in any case the main point is this i think is going to test so many of our assumptions about what does it mean to be intimate with other people a colleague of mine just wrote yesterday a fabulous op-ed in the new york times uh, my friend priya parker about how we can use this as an opportunity to get creative about how we show up with other people so if we're used to showing up in person to boring meetings where everyone's kind of you know texting underneath the table that's probably not better than, than going and doing that on Zoom instead. But what if we really took this as an opportunity to reset and say, we're going to meet when we need to meet because we need to talk to each other and otherwise, and this is another idea from Seth Godin's post yesterday, otherwise, we're going to send a memo instead, right? So, so many of the practices that people like you and me who have been working for home for so many years it's like a, a a little shared secret <laughs> that it's so much more efficient to be able to get your work done when you're not being pulled into things that are oh, you know a waste of time. There's
0: no question. If somebody comes into our office, it's a two hour meeting. If we're on the phone, it's a forty five minute meeting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So so yeah. but but how do we? I mean, for example, so, okay, one on one. I I think that's. I mean, personally, I think that's easy. Whether it's you know Zoom, phone, yeah. Microsoft Teams, whatever. What about, what, what, what about team meetings? What do you suggest there?
1: Well, I think the technology is changing again. I just read this in Seth Godin's post yesterday where he said there's a feature on Zoom, which I also have not known about yet, where you can actually, at the click of a button, send people off into small breakout groups. So this is if, oh, you, really? have a, if you have a much larger organiza- uh, meeting. Yes. So you could be doing a plenary session where one person is speaking and other people are listening and then you press a button and you send, you know, people out into groups of three and they can then all see each other just in those small groups of three. And then you press the button again and everybody's back together (sighs) again and you ask them to report back out. Yeah.
0: So I love that. So here, let me tell you why, let me tell you why I love that. So one of the teaching techniques that I have learned over the years um, I know in the education world, it's called think, pair, share, right? Where, yeah, okay, right. so, you know, think about what I just said. Um, get, you know, get with somebody next to you and and discuss, share. Because that's, uh, you know, when we have a conversation, we tend to retain so much more than if we just hear a lecture. And this is awesome. I'm, I'm actually, I, I've got a um, a forum on, in fact, I've, I've got a forum of our CPA um, network members on Friday. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, so I'm going there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is a, this is fantastic. This actually, yeah. this actually m- may allow us to do, uh, conferences, um, online yeah, conferences absolutely. where we were going to, you know, instead of postponing them, you know, maybe yeah. the opportunity here is because what, uh, what we found last night, we have this, this, um, twice a month. We, I, I, I do a question, just a question answer webinar we had more people on last night than we've ever had so this may be an option i should get more people to a conference that wouldn't that otherwise wouldn't be able to fly they'd have conflicts etc now they're not going to have conflicts so maybe now's the opportunity to to do this and if you can do breakout groups like that oh my heavens that's fantastic
1: Absolutely. I was just telling you as well, I had a certain number of people signed up in person for a book event I was supposed to do in Boston today. And instead, we have double the number of people who are registered now because they're coming from all over the world, instead of just who are local to Boston. So, you know, in in many ways, this can be an opportunity for us to come together. The key is to come together in ways that are meaningful, in ways that are creative, in ways that are going to engage people. So, don't have a meeting just because it's on the calendar and you said you were going to. If things have changed, ask yourself, what was the purpose of this meeting? Was it so that I could right. relay information to my team? If so, maybe I send that out in a short email or on a Slack channel. If the purpose was for us to make a decision, who are the most critical people who, are, who were going to help me make that decision? And then pull them in and don't have to have, you know, 12 people sitting on that Zoom call. You can release them to go get the work done, and then you'll let them know what it was that you decided or any other number of configurations. You always want to be thoughtful about who are you asking for input in a decision, who are you just needing to let them know that the decision has been made and pull people in and out as appropriate.
0: That, that, that's a good point. That may be a, a one way we can definitely improve our business practices. One of my favorite sayings is, is that it has to be a really good be- meeting to be better than no meeting at all. And yeah. uh, I subscribe to that. But at the same time, you do want to stay connected. One of the things I like about like the Zoom technology is, um, which we've uh, uh, actually adopted is because you can see each other's you can see everybody's faces, not just the person who's speaking. Right. But every you know, if you have, if you have a you group have a of, group, you know, if you yeah. have a small enough group, you can see everybody's face and, and, and anybody who is speaking, their face automatically comes up. So I think that technology, you know, what, what I'm taking away from this is, first of all, we need to pay attention to ourselves first. Okay. Mm-hmm. And listen to our emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and what I hear is the, the, the five primary emotions, anger, fear, sadness, disgust, and joy. Did I get that?
1: Yes, you did.
0: Okay. And Good. and um, and then this is an opportunity to um, really stay connected and maybe in, in a better way. When you say that, yeah. look, you can see the pores on a person's face, that sometimes that video conference can be more intimate and you yeah. have to be more transparent, frankly, because you're forced into transparency, than you yeah. would be in a, you know, where you can put up, you know, where, where, where your makeup doesn't show through. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so,
1: also if you don't have that background being blurred, people are intimately intimately with you in your environment as right. well. I mean, as an organizational psychologist, one of the things I always insist on, and this has been 20 years of my doing this work is I always insist on meeting people where they are. So whether that's on a zoom call from their home office or whether that's in their office proper I want to see where people are because the, the the environment does give you clues, right? The fact that you, ha- that you were asked to move the crib is, you know, kind of a, a funny, good example. But um, you had a crib there because that's part of your life. You have grandchildren and, right. and they were part of your life. And so to be able to see each other in now our natural environments and not because, oh, my kids are sick and so I have to be home, because we're all home. It's okay, and it actually can be a good thing to pick up on those cues that you notice from where other people are dialing in from. To really get that gives you a sense of a deeper intimacy than just if you're all in the office together. So it's a change. It's it's different, but there are opportunities there to really get to know people in a deeper way.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Jen. Once again, Dr. Jennifer Goldman Wetzler. And um, Jen, where can people find out more information and uh, more about what you've been what you teach on this subject?
1: The best place is optimaloutcomesbook.com. There's actually a ton of resources. So there's an assessment that people can take about how to identify your emotions and so many other resources on the conflict habits and a ton. So optimaloutcomesbook.com slash resources has the resources, but if you go there, you'll find me and you can also sign up there for our newsletter. We've typically been sending out newsletters about uh, once a week or once every other week, but now um, even more often to deal with the crisis and help comfort people and give people ideas and tools. So I hope that you'll find us there and also, of course, online on social media at LinkedIn um, and at Facebook and uh, Instagram. And uh, and all the others.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Jen. And thanks, everybody, for um, listening. I would encourage you to listen again. okay? because uh, I I, I know I've learned a ton. I mean, practical, very practical how to deal with um, the crisis, how to become a better leader in this crisis, how to use technology to actually bring people closer together. Uh, understanding that um, technology, the way we use technology, I think this crisis will change it forever. And so now is an opportunity. and, And I think that we have an opportunity right now more than ever to really work to develop better clients, a better practice, and for sure, a better life. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.